Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Ladies and gentlemen, to episode 18 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Gregoire, and the man not speaking at all is... Dan Beeston! He's playing a game here. He doesn't want... <laughs> and to... I'm winning. Oh no! Damn it! <laughs> so yes, it's 18. Here we are. No, 18. You know what's fun about the number 18, Dan? It's the only number that is double the sum of its digits, except one other. Can you work out the other number? Hang on. So it's, it's double the sum of its digits. Yes. And its digits are 1 and 8. Yes. So 1 and 8 is 9 times 2 is 18. Double the sum of its digits. Yes. So what's the other one? There's only one other. And it's a bit weird. Um, it's that weird one. It's that weird one that probably shouldn't be one, but it is one. It's not one. <laughs> Zero. Zero! Yay! Yes. If you add up all the digits and times it by 2, then you get 0. There you go. Yeah, good. So that's it. That's it. That's 18. That's the special thing about 18. Ooh, spooky. And now, listen to this voice. Uh, you know, when, when you sort of do a statistical analysis of all the stars and the planets and dust and so on, mm. the average density of our universe is 0.2 hydrogen atoms per cubic meter. <laughs> 0.2 hydrogen yeah, atoms. <laughs> but what does it mean? But what does it mean? What, what, what was that voice saying? What was Steve Nerlich from CheapAstro.com trying to tell us, Dan? I reckon he was trying to teach me shit. <laughs> Damn Take him! That. Damn his eyes! <laughs> yes, <laughs> Steve Nerlich, we're here to actually add some science. Because we have been told by quite a few people, we've got the ignorance down. Yep. We're doing... No, a... we're all over that. <laughs> we... We started out strong on the ignorance, and we followed through. Ignorance kings with our ignorance crowns. Uh, uh, uh. And we've got the comedy down. Yeah, no. <laughs> the contracts are coming in. The, uh... <laughs> uh, we're rolling in we're, we're, comedy we've, dollars. We've had, to, we've had to ease back because we're this close to killing people. That's right. It's just with a, the humour. That's right. That's what they would tell us in the emails that never arrive. And, uh, but we, we've been told we're not doing much They're science. too busy laughing to hit the send button. <laughs> That's what's happening there. So science. They go, we want more science. Do you? Do you want more science? Well, we went and found a man with a science degree that has a podcast about science to tell us some actual science. His name is Steve Nolick, as I said before. He is from CheapAstro.com, and he's going to tell us all about... Comedy. Comedy. And... Ignorance. How about the third one? 18. Uh, <sighs> Welcome to the interview part of the podcast. We're here today with Steve Nerlick from CheapAstro.com, the Cheap Astronomy Podcast. You might have heard him also on the 365 Days of Astronomy Podcast. Hello, Steve. Hello, Greg and Dan. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I'm good, too. Oh, goodness. So, Steve, you're a real scientist. Is that right? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't have said that. I have a science degree. That counts. Yeah, that's, that's, whoop, yeah. that's, that's, oh, my goodness. Uh, my, my day job is in education. That's not awful. necessarily oh, always right. science education, but sometimes science education. And the only way to be. Now, we've been accused here at Smart Enough to Know Better that though our tagline is science, comedy, and ignorance, we've been showing a lot of the ignorance and a little bit of the comedy, but not much actual science recently. So we decided we're going to fix this. We're going to get Steve Nerlich from CheapAstro.com, and we're going to actually talk about science, real hard science. Well, at the very least, cutting-edge science, bleeding-edge astronomy. So that's your job, Steve, to keep us on the straight and narrow. Sure, okay. Now, you, <laughs> you were going to talk about a dark matter? 
Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've got a... Well, if I can take us back to our recent Nobel Prize winner in Australia was Professor Brian Schmidt from the ANU, which exciting. is in, in Canberra, where I live. What's an ANU? Should I know that? Australian National University. Yeah, no, I knew that. Oh. I went there. What the... I didn't go there. Yes, you clean the floors. What? They can't, anyway, yes. They, then we, in fact, we have an Australian prize, a Nobel Prize winner. It's very exciting. We should all be very Australian. We go, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. No. Oi, oi, oi. Oh, thank you, Steve. Oh, yep, There's a professional, Dan. I missed That's my cue again. That's what happens. Dan just stands there. He's such a hater. It's, what, Dan missed his cue. Yeah. As he does. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so our Australian prize, Nobel Prize winner has found out something quite interesting, it seems. Well, what he was credited with by the Nobel Prize Committee was for discovering that the universe is not only expanding, but expanding in an accelerating fashion. To me, somewhat regrettably, the media tends to report that as he found dark energy, mm, which mm. I, I think is an intellectual leap we perhaps shouldn't be taking. But yeah, now, can we, can we start from the very beginning? Because my understanding of dark energy Uh-oh. is it's like, uh, sorry, dark matter, Uh-oh. is that it's like normal matter, but black, and so we can't <laughs> see it. Now, I can't help but feel that maybe I'm missing something crucial there. All right. <laughs> see, see, Dan brings the ignorant side of things to the, uh, to the, to the podcast, and I just stand there shaking my head at him quite often. So it's a, it's a beautiful relationship. Sure. Why don't I take you back to the beginning? Uh, as with most things, is uh, Einstein. Hey! Sorry. I thought, I thought... So Einstein came out with general relativity in about 1915, and what fell out of that is what is called the Einstein field equations. Mm-hmm which is a way of mathematically modelling the universe. Right. So you have this complex equation, which I won't pretend I understand well, but, <laughs> but broadly... I mean, we had all sorts of problems with E equals MC squared oh, a few months ago. Don't, don't bring that up. It nearly destroyed the podcast. Please don't bring that up. <laughs> so go on, Steve. So on, imagine this complex equation. On the left-hand side, you have a bunch of terms describing space-time curvature, essentially the geometry of the universe... On the right-hand side, you have terms that relate to the contents of the universe, so it's mass, it's energy density. Mm -hmm. And the trick with the Einstein field equations is to get this equation to balance. Mm, All good science equations should. That's right. So when Einstein sort of published this, no one really had any data about the universe or the universe's motion, and he sort of looked at, the equations and felt confident in the maths but what it seemed to be saying was that you had all this mass and density in the universe which generated gravity Mm -hmm. surely that would make the whole universe collapsing because there's nothing to counteract that that inward pull so so there's nothing like in a star the, the gravity of the star tries to keep the star well tries to collapse the star but the the pressure from the gas keeps it upright so you have this well a star it, it holds itself up with two forces balancing so really dy- the, that's right a dynamic equilibrium we say oh it's very it's, oh, he knows all the words it's very exciting <laughs> uh, now the so the universe we're saying seemed to have one force gravity dragging it all in but there seemed to be no balancing force holding it up Mm-hmm. And, Einstein, right. and Einstein, back, and not, not just Einstein, everyone thought then that the universe was constant and unchanging. It, it, it always had been the way it was. Yeah, very true. It was static. It didn't move. Mm. But even to get to that solution, he had to come up with something to counteract gravity just to keep it still and static. Mm-hmm. 
rather than so, like a cup of tea and constantly undulating and yeah, having brownie in motion and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. A, a, a cup of tea that was that was constant and forever. That's like Dan's most favourite thing in the world, actually. Yeah, oh. but it always cools down. I know. Uh, entropy. Yeah, entropy, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid entropy. <laughs> What's it ever done for always. us? Except give us an hour of time. But anyway, moving moving on. So, as is, I think, well recorded in history, Einstein had this term on the left-hand side of the equation, the, the left-hand side that's all about the geometry and the curvature of space-time. There was a term that he called the cosmological constant. Mm, mm. So he gave that a positive value to sort of counteract the right-hand side of the equation that was trying to collapse the universe inwards. And that was his on-paper solution for how you could have a universe full of mass, but nonetheless that stayed open. Mm. So that he just made it up yeah. so that it worked. He, he, he put yeah, X, yes, yes. basically. And is that, that's called, if, I do, if I'm correct, the cosmological constant. He just said that. Oh, sorry. I, yep. I edited that's that right. out of my own head. There you go. <laughs> it's all, also called lambda, so it's a, a mathematical yeah. term. But it's lambda. still called the cosmological constant, so there's a wonderful Indeed. little meta joke in there. Right, that's, that's very good. It'll always be the cosmological constant. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. That's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a good one. That, that, that's actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> Don't encourage him, Steve. Don't encourage him. <laughs> Did you hear a tone? I heard a tone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we had this cosmological constant, yeah. and and, and so, so people like Hubble, uh, they noticed uh, that the. So have I jumped ahead there, or? or... No, well, that's exactly where I was going. So, well done. <laughs> so, there was, within... there, there was definitely a tone then. <laughs> so, so within ten years of Einstein coming out with his nineteen fifteen. Einstein field equations. He then had Edward and Hubble with the Hooker telescope, being the biggest telescope in the world in California. Mm-hmm. He did a survey of distant nebulae, and that's all they were called then. No one realised there were other galaxies <sighs> additional to the Milky Way. They were just these little clouds of little clouds, really, called nebulae. So there we were, 1925, you had Hubble using the biggest telescope in the world, and he had an interest in these things called Cepheid variables, variable stars, mm. that everyone now realises are standard candles. If you know, certain stars will go supernovae in, in a very set way and release a set amount of light. So you, in every oh, time... You're, ju- you're jumping ahead there. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, hang on, pull back. Pull back, Greg. <laughs> so Hubble didn't have uh, the technology that would enable him to, as we did later in the 20th century, to start surveying type 1A supernovas, but Mm. he he could see these closest stars that we call Cepheid variables. So they don't explode, but they Mm. sort of vary in a very predictable manner. So Mm. you know if you see one, it's going to be of a particular brightness during its periodicity change. Sure. So just based on this standard brightness, you can tell how far away it is. Mm-hmm. And what Hubble added to that was uh, what was in bleeding-edge science mm. about redshift. So that's another astronomical term people might be familiar with. The further away something is, the faster away it moves from us, and hence it has this Doppler effect on its spectrum. Mm. And that's because so, that's the spectrum sort of stretches 
out? Like, or red light travels faster than blue light no. because of the wavelength? Or? No, it's got to, it's, if, if, if Steve might be able to correct me on this, but it's more to the point that the, the universe is actually expanding. So the, the, the space itself between two points is actually expanding, oh. and therefore the, the wavelength of light has to be shifted as it travels, as it travels through space. Is that a good way of describing yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, oh, that's okay. a very good way. Yep. Mm. So, so basically, something, the further something is away from you, the longer it took the light to get here, not because the distance, it's slowing down or speeding up, but the, the, literally the distance between you and a long distance away is actually getting further away as time goes on. So it's not, not travelling in space. It's, yeah, it's, it's um, not necessarily getting further away, but yeah. Space is expanding. Getting bigger. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Mm. All right. And if that doesn't blow you noodle, nothing will. <laughs> if Hubble was around, he would have talked about the Doppler effect to... You know, mm. it was like a, an ambulance receding away from you. The, the, mm. the sound waves get longer and longer. But, but you're quite right these days. Because we understand that, that space-time is expanding, we tend to express it in, in the way you've described it, that the, the wavelength is literally, literally stretched out by the, the expansion of the universe. That's, a, that's always amazes me. It's, it's awesome. Just, yeah, it really is. It's great, isn't it? It's just a madness when you think about it. And then it. we figured it out. <laughs> And used yeah, it right. for our own machinations of measurement. Well, two million years ago, we were climbing trees and running away from predators in the African savannah, and now we're working out the universe actually is expanding. That's just just by looking at the colour. That's right. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yep, we're an impressive monkey. There you go. Greg's colour blind, so not quite so <laughs> impressive a monkey. It's true. I, I am a failed science monkey. Oh. <laughs> so there we were in 1925. Hubble had, A, shown that the universe wasn't just the Milky Way, it was this whole much bigger place. And then he had also demonstrated that all those distant galaxies were moving in a way that, you know, a close galaxy was moving at a certain velocity, a more distant galaxy was moving away even faster. Mm. So there was this progressive increase in their receding velocity the further away distant galaxies were. So from that, he could conclude that the universe was expanding. Mm. So um, things that were close to you were going, moving, well, on average, were moving away from you, but things which were further away from you were also moving away, but much faster. You know, there was the Big Bang, everything was pretty close together, but over the lifespan of the universe, we found at this point, 13.7 billion years down the track, we have a universe where there are lots of galaxies clustered together in little clumps mm-hmm. but in between those clumps there's just huge voids of empty space mm. so the universe expands everywhere except where gravity can keep things held together mm. oh okay i see so, so but back here. so it's kind of like a, a inflating a balloon the skin of a balloon except some parts of the balloon are quite thick and strong and other parts of the b- balloon are quite thin and so the thick bits would cause like patches like when you in, oh, inflate yeah. a balloon and then you deflate it and then you inflate it again halfway mm. and it's kind of wrinkled mm. and weird. Mm. <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. The wrinkled balloon theory. He's encouraging me. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> it's something like that, Dan. <laughs> well, people like the the raisin dough mm. analogy. Mm. So you, you, you have dough, you mix raisins into it, the raisins of the galaxies. You put the whole thing in the oven... All the raisins move away from each other, but not due to any intrinsic motion of themselves. It's more that the dough is just getting bigger and bigger. So space... And they've got their place in the medium. So the the universe is... I like the idea. What dough is the universe made of? Most Mm. of the dough that I try to cook ends up being dark matter. So I'm interested to see where we're (laughs) headed. (laughs) 
some sort of poisonous poisonous byproduct. So yeah. move it. So we, so we, okay. So we've got we've got an expanding universe gravitationally bound. Well, if we gravitationally bound, it's going to collapse in on itself. Einstein's yeah. cosmological constant said, yeah. well, actually, it's not. Obviously, the universe is not collapsing because it hasn't. So we're we're in a position now of trying to work out why not. Kind of thing. Hubble came out with his finding. Einstein sort of slapped his forehead and thought, dull, I should have realised. <laughs> of course, the, the mass was always saying that the universe was either going to expand or contract, and mm. it wasn't static. Mm. So from then on, everyone sort of agreed they would set that cosmological constant back to zero. Ah, okay. But that still so, meant, didn't that still mean the universe, they thought the universe would therefore be, have to be contracting? Well, no, because it's like lambda, the cosmological constant, is a force that counteracts gravity, whereas the rest of that left-hand side of the equation that's all about space-time is talking about the tendency of space and time to change. Mm -hmm. So what everyone thought in the, the latter half of the 20th century was that the expansion of the universe was contained in that maths Oh, I see. About the shape of space-time and, and the yeah. cosmological constant, everyone thought was just a bit of an error, and they, they set it to zero, so it, they kept it out of the, the picture. It's, so, and, and if I remember correctly, Einstein declared it as his greatest mistake. Biggest blunder. Biggest blunder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Poor guy, can you imagine? His greatest mistake involved uh, two pints of beer and uh, <laughs> a woman who turned out to have a very exciting secret. That's it. <laughs> We didn't talk about that one. He, he didn't write that well, down. It's, actually, well, it's, it's one of the, well, jumping a bit back here, when you look into these sort of people, and you have this idea of Einstein and uh, Planck and all these people being sort of older men, but when you look at them, a lot of them were like younger men in the 20s and the 30s sitting in coffee shops having conversations. There was very much a, a sexy element back then. We, I, I always like to remember them as sexy young men having sexy conversations. So. I bet they would have podcasted. <laughs> they had better things to do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had had quite a number of affairs and so forth. Einstein, anyway. Oh, there you, that's, so, that's, wow! It, now, it, now we're going into the juicy de uh, the yes, dirt. Mm. If anyone's listened to a recent episode of Astronomy Cast, uh, Pamela Gay goes to some length about his his various partners and wives and so forth. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's his uh, second actually, through eighth worst blunders. <laughs> <laughs> it's never clear that he said publicly that it was his biggest blunder. Oh. Uh, a colleague of his was quoted saying, oh, Einstein said to me that was his biggest blunder. And the, the media just went crazy and said, oh, Einstein <laughs> says that this was his biggest blunder. <laughs> I, I doubt he would ever have wanted everyone to know, oh, oh this is my biggest blunder. Yes. Uh, I mean, he owned the formula, which is something we continue to use today. I mean, it's a brilliant piece of physics, mm. and I, I don't think he sort of deserves the bad press he got over that just because when the first bit of data came in, it showed that he should have put a different value on a particular term in the formula, but the, the formula was fine. Yeah, I mean, it's right. It's a, a, another piece of genius from Einstein, really. So there we were in the late 20th century. Everyone had decided the cosmological constant had been a mistake to give it a, a definite value, so there was a general agreement to set it to zero, to assume that all the expansion of the universe was a sort of long-term effect of the initial momentum of the Big Bang, none mm -hmm. of which we think is exactly right today, but that, that was the thinking then. Mm -hmm. And you had all this 
dialogue about, well, what we need to do is to determine how much mass and how dense that mass is in the universe. Then we'll know if it's going to expand forever or whether it's going to get so far and then collapse back into a big crunch and, and so on. So what you're trying to do, stuff. someone has to therefore go outside and go, okay, I'm going to count all the stars and I'm going to count all the planets and I'm going to count, in the universe, yeah. I'm going to count all the dust clouds. I'm going to count everything out there and we're going to tally up the mass and if the mass compared to the size of the universe divide the mass divided by the uh, volume that gives you a density and therefore if it's beyond a certain number crunch we will go back or if it's a less than a certain number it expands forever that's what they were going for which is that's a, exactly right that's a crazy idea when you think about it imagine coming up with that you're sitting around going i'm going to count everything in the universe and i'm sure a lot of scientists went good luck with that uh, <laughs> shit, come back when you're finished it's a, a little bit of stuff. It's not like counting everything in this room. There's, there's the universe I, is I a would, big place. I, I balk at that. <laughs> you can't see this room, it's, but it is a mess. It's full of rubbish. It is terrible. It's true. Well, funnily enough, they did do that. They did. <laughs> and, they, and they got an answer. That's, a, that's a, amazing. How it just ah, it just amazes me. So, and, and this is all that. If you remember, we had the Einstein field equation. On the left hand side, you got the shape of the universe. On the right hand side, you've got what's in it that mm. determines that shape. So the late 20th century astrophysics was all about trying to determine that number that, that you were just talking about. And it works out that, uh, you know, when, when you sort of do a statistical analysis of all the stars and the planets and dust and so on, mm. the average density of our universe is 0.2 hydrogen atoms per cubic metre. <laughs> 0.2 hydrogen yeah, atoms. A fifth of a hydrogen atom... For every cubic metre. So that means there's one hydrogen atom every five cubic metres yep. across the universe, if you spread everything out. Yep. <laughs> so, so, if I, so it's just like the Occupy Wall Street. We're sitting here in a glut of atoms. We're hoarding all... Uh, we're, we are the 1% of physics. 1% of the gravity wells hold 99.99999% of the atoms. As, as we're, we're just hoarding on. The rest of the universe is crying out for them. We, we're not, not going to share them. No, you're, not, you're not getting them, universe. We've got them, and we're not giving them back. There you go. I'm made up of a lot of them. I need these things to breathe. So... Other atoms. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've, we've turned this into a political thing. Uh-oh. That's not, that's not good. Science and politics should never mix. And, you know, that, that links back to what we were talking about before with, you know, the universe is really these huge voids of empty space and here and there there's these clumps of matter in a very dense but very small clumps. Mm-hmm. And the maths of the Einstein field equation required that you needed a density of five atoms, five hydrogen atoms per square metre, oh. to prevent the universe from expanding forever. Right. So the point two seemed to suggest, well, we, we live in a universe, it's just, there's not enough mass in it to hold back the expansion, it's going to expand forever. Right. So in the end, sometime in the trillions and trillions of years in the future, you'll just have one little lonely hydrogen atom sitting in a, an amazingly massive volume of space with no... You won't even be able to see another hydrogen atom. They'll be all so attenuated. It'll just be... The whole universe... According to that one hydrogen atom, the whole universe would just be one hydrogen atom. Now you're jumping your head again. Oh, <laughs> stop it, Greg. Naughty! Bad! <laughs> the important thing to take from that is you've got the reality of point two, but 
what you would need to keep the universe flat, mm. which is what we say, would be five. So point two is actually four percent of five. So when you hear people talk about, well, we know what four percent of the universe is, and the rest of it's a complete mystery. That's mm. that's where they're coming from. Ah, okay. Maths. There just doesn't seem to be enough matter, matter that we understand in the universe to give it the geometry that it has. <laughs> what you can do with the cosmic microwave background is to consider it's a distant surface that mm. you can make one side of your triangle so you're trying to draw this giant triangle across the universe the cosmic microwave background is at a distant point and a distant point in the past so if you consider that one side of your triangle as you're looking down the triangle from the point at the top you're looking you've got two lines heading away from you like yes okay yep. two expanding lines heading away from you then you hit the third side of the triangle which yep. we'll call the cosmic microwave background you can then just measure those angles and that should give you the answer as to whether the universe is flat or it's spherical or it's saddle shaped. So what do we discover? What's what's the what's the and theory? And it's flat. It's and it is flat. It, it, it's very very flat. Oh. So the universe uh, is the universe is Euclidean. So it's 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 yeah. point two of a hydrogen atom for every cubic meter. It seems to suggest that that means it should be open. Yes. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah. Now we're onto something. Very good. Now very we're good. onto something. Right. <laughs> So this is the whole problem with modern cosmology. Did a lot of cosmologists throw their hands up in horror and just, just give up and like, just start becoming like hobos and hippies living on beaches? Just go, that's it, we give up. It's just too confusing. None of this <laughs> makes any sense. This I give me. up, I'm doing biology. <laughs> I'm doing the easy science. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> if they didn't do it then, they probably then did it when we discovered that the universe was not only expanding, that it was expanding in an accelerating fashion, <laughs> oh which was a finding that... <laughs> A finding that came out at almost the same time. So, Can you imagine it? What? What? No, that's just rubbish. Just that. Ah, no, I'm giving up. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Poor Yeah. So it's kind of cool that at the end of the 19th century, everyone thought science would pretty much figured everything out. <laughs> And then, you know, Einstein came along and said, well, you know, this stuff about space and time, we all think it's pretty straightforward. The clocks just run at an absolute rate. Well, actually, and, you know, it's a complete paradigm shift, as we say, in the way that we think about the universe. And I think it was Max... Sorry, I think Sorry, it was yeah. Max Planck. Uh, you talk about people, we had it all sorted out, you know, especially at the start of the 20th century. And uh, I think it was Max Planck. He was a young man and going to university and, and going, I'm going to go into physics and work on this sort of stuff. And, and people said, oh, why are you wasting your time with that? We know all this sort of stuff. You, you'll just be filling in the, the edges and just sort of filling in little potholes. It's all been done. And then he could have discovered a whole lot of quantum physics stuff. <laughs> and yeah. I'll just pull found, this. Found, <laughs> yeah, found, yeah, found the pothole actually just totally undermined reality as we know it. So it's, it's always a bit dangerous when people say, we, we're going to have a grand unified theory in 10 years. And you're like, why do we keep saying that? Why, haven't we not learnt yet? This is a very dangerous thing to say. <laughs> in eight years' time, someone goes, we found out the universe is made up of tiny frogs singing. <laughs> we never would have expected this at all. <laughs> very, very small frogs. Well, yeah, you're quite right. It was Max Planck. He, he really was the father of, of quantum uh, mechanics, quantum physics, because he looked at this problem of what's called the ultraviolet catastrophe. Mm. That everyone just he he also invented planking. Oh, that, that's a that's a little oh, known fact oh, that goodness. he was. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Dad. That was so. Yeah, we we got to the end of the twentieth century. We were starting to think we understood the universe, and then these 
two findings came out at about the same time. That A, the universe was flat, despite the fact that it only had 4% of the stuff <laughs> that it really needed to be flat. And then you had the three groups that have won this year's Nobel Prize in Physics. It was Saul Perlmutter, Brian Schmidt and Adam Rees who've collectively won the prize, running a number of uh, sky surveys of distant galaxies, and that, that's where they were looking for these Type 1a supernovae mm. that's a bit like the Cepheid variables are standard candles. If, if a Type 1a supernova goes off, it has a very predictable brightness. If you see a Type 1 supernova and it's dimmer, you know it's further away, mm. so you can make a an accurate estimate of its distance. Because I mean, let's face it, just to explain it to the audience who may not understand this, if you're trying to work out how far away a star is from Earth, you don't know if it's a very bright thing a very, very long way away or if it's a very dim thing very, very, very close. So you, you, you can look at a star and go, well, I just don't know how far away it is. You have to know but stars, how far away things are. Now, stars behave yes. differently depending on what their mass is when they nova or supernova, though, don't they? And also, actually, their mass in general uh, yeah. gives you a very, very specific... Yes, but that's what, that's what the standard candle's okay. all about. Yes. So the yep. Type 1a supernova, they know it's a certain brightness, yep. and therefore if it's dimmer, you know it's further away. Yep. So we had more modern technology towards the end of the 20th century. We had better telescopes, so we could see much further out, and we could start surveying these Type 1a supernovae going off in much more distant galaxies than Hubble would have ever been able to see with his telescope. Mm. So this was a whole new data set, and in 1998 they publish this stuff and said we've done all the maths the universe is expanding but it's expanding in an accelerating fashion the older the universe gets the faster that rate of expansion seems to be which was utterly extraordinary no one was mm. expecting this so as i say the people who've been gobsmacked about the universe being flat yes. although that actually came later probably See, would have been doubly gobsmacked with this, and as you say, yeah, they might have thought, oh, I, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> just give up. What the <laughs> heck? It's, it's, the fact we just talk about being flat for a moment, because being flat really freaks me out, because it's like balancing the universe's mass compared to its volume on a knife edge. It, the yes. whole thing has to be perfectly balanced. Yes. I, I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't, I'm not, I don't believe in, in gods. You've got to admit, at some point, you've got to go... That's really interesting that the universe has set up in a, or has has set itself up in a situation that it seems to be balanced perfectly on a flat universe. It would have to be self-regulating, wouldn't it? You, 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 with some part of you would go, "That's really odd. That that's not a normal thing at all. That's very much, uh, yeah." I just to me, you, you, yeah, it, it would freak me out. I must admit to, to work that out. I don't know what I was trying to say there. <laughs> yeah. Well, You're, this is where we live. Hmm. Mm. So we, we live in a freaky place. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird. So you're right. I mean, the, it, no one really knows what the hell's going on anymore. It, it's very um, <laughs> science baffling. Have, there's a TV, the TIT shirt for you, Steve. Science. Mm. No one really knows what's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I say, it seems to be a phenomenon. In each turn of the century, we, we suddenly think, "Oh my God, we don't know anything." What's going on? <laughs> it's, it's we like, know even less this time. It's like Mark Twain. Mark Twain once said, "When he was uh, when I was fourteen, I was so upset with how ignorant my father was. Now that I'm twenty-one, it's amazing how much he's learnt." Uh, and it's that thing, sort of, we're, we're like young Mark Twain going, we know everything, we know nothing. It's like, oh my God. But that's good. That's a really, that's a, I think it's really wonderful that we keep, just keep chipping away at, at the ignorance and just keep going, how do we, how do we make this make sense? Yep. So bring it all back to the Einstein field equation again. The modern interpretation. 
is that we have our left-hand side of the equation telling us about the geometry of space and, and time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interesting thing is it's flat. Mm-hmm. So we have to, well, we don't have to, but we do refer to the right side of the equation for some of that answer. To try so and, try and this is where people are saying, well, we know, we know about 4% of the universe because we've counted that, all those stars <laughs> and planets and so forth. When we look at galaxies, even our own Milky Way, it's this huge, huge object, mm, mm. hundreds of light years across, but it's spinning. And when you look at the, the sort of radial velocities that are involved in that motion, the outer parts of the Milky Way should just be flying off in all directions. Right. So it's like a kid, a a kid on, a, on, on one of those, um, like a carousel. The carousel goes too fast. It would fling your, fling your child yep. into the crowd. Exactly. So, so somehow that kid is being held onto the horsey of the edge of the universe. My yep. analogy is collapsing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And this is an idea that's been around since certainly the 1950s. Uh, Mr. Zwicky. Like, that's an awesome Zwicky. name. Anyway, so that this problem of the galaxies has been around much longer than the late 20th century stuff about the flat universe and the hmm. accelerating universe. So, but in our modern t- interpretation, we refer to this dark matter A, to explain why the galaxies stay together, but B, to try and balance the Einstein field equation. So it it becomes an important component of the formula. So we have our 4% matter that we know about. We have, I think, another 22-23% dark matter that we don't really know what the heck it is. So it's dark because we just don't, we can't see it, we can't detect it, but we know that it must be there based on the maths. Well, we know that it must be there based on the gravitational phenomena that we see yeah. out in the universe. So I, used to, I used to have a big problem with dark matter. I mean, like everyone did, but as in when I was learning about it and, and going, it did seem like a bit of hand wavium you know, to try and explain why. why I, to me, I kept thinking maybe the equations are wrong and, and or the, not, not refined enough until I saw two galaxies running into each other and they seemed to, you could sort of see where all the bright bits were, but that wasn't the points that were, were going around each other that makes sense. They, they, they seemed to be something else that you could not see that these two galaxies were actually rotating. The center of rotation was around a very different point. And, that's, and that was when I went, oh, there is something there. It's, not, it's, a gra- it's gravitationally affecting everything. We just cannot see it. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the bullet cluster. Ah, right, there you go. That's the one. Yes, that's the one. Yes, and, yeah. and that's, when, that's when my brain went, no, I, un- I understand now. That it, it's not just a, a mathematical hand wavium thing. It, it, there's something that we are missing quite intrinsically in the universe. Yep, that's right. So to prove it to everyone, we just got to show everyone exactly what they need to see, and everyone will then believe it. <laughs> yep, that, that's very good. So, I mean, there are really two reasons why we think we need dark matter. A, galaxies just don't make any sense if we don't have this sort of invisible stuff that holds them together. Mm. But, but, yeah, we've got this business about the maths, as mm. you say. And, so can uh, I, from, what, from what you know then, just to talk about the dark matter bit for a moment, I always try and wonder, is it actually going to be a physical object or is it, is it going to be so outlandishly weird that, that we can't even fathom what it might be? Or, or we just can't answer that question yet? I don't think we can answer the question yet, but most people think it'll be some sort of a particle mm. that will either fit into what's called the standard model of subatomic physics or it will expand that standard model. Mm. So uh, there's this weird 
idea of supersymmetry. I don't know if you've oh, yes. come across yes. that. Yes, in a very yeah, indeed, Susie. Mm. What we do know about it is that it seems to behave like matter does gravitationally. It attracts, yep. it attracts itself and it attracts, and it attracts normal matter as well, standard yep. matter, whatever you want to call it. We know that it doesn't seem to absorb and emit light, so it doesn't seem to interact with the electromagnetic spectrum. That would be fair enough to say at this point. Yes, and arguably it's even transparent. Right. It doesn't seem to hide light. Ah, well, so there you go. So that's something we do know about it. What else do we, do we know about it? Are they the only two things? It's got a funny feature called color charge. Does that mean something to you? Um, I, I don't know, know it's, it's a quantum physics thing. We probably haven't got yeah, time it's a to quantum physics into. thing, exactly. Quantum physics thing. Um, Hand wavy yep. and move on. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, we, we, we can have you back another so, time. We can discuss. It's full of singing frogs. Singing frogs! Yeah. But we still haven't got to the best part of the story, which is, of course, dark energy. And that's, this so. is, yes, this is, now this is, okay, we've gone from the pointy end, now we're going yeah. to the ridiculously pointy end. Right. Yes. Now, it would be fair to say dark energy is really just something you need to balance the maths. We don't have any sort of precedent for this mysterious stuff that seems to appear out of nowhere <laughs> to keep uh, I mean its main role is to keep the universe flat I mean it's very mm. hard to now, see why the universe should stay flat unless it's the mysterious stuff appearing out of nowhere as the universe expands <laughs> so we have so we have 4% of the universe being what we're all made out of or we, you know, the yep. matter and then we have what 20% is that right or roughly 20% uh, 22 I think 20, yep. 22% dark matter mm-hmm so that means most of the universe, more than 75 74%. 74% of the universe, exactly, thank you. Maths is wonderful. 74% of the universe is made from something we don't understand, nor can even theorize about. It just, we, we know it has to be there, otherwise the universe can't be the way it is. That's the current place where we are. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> That's I, I don't think anyone is at all satisfied <laughs> with that as a as a meaningful explanation. And that's what science is for. But but that's what's really interesting there for me is unlike dark matter, which does attract, and our matter, which does attract, dark energy seems to repel because it's... Is that right? Yeah. um, (laughs) I don't like that interpretation of it. I mean, it's probably not correct to think of it in terms of energy because if you're going to allow the universe to be filled with this energy that comes out of nowhere mm. and acts like a force, mm. Mm. then you, you run up against the three laws of thermodynamics. Yeah, which say, it's going to get hot. Possible. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah uh, so, so, so really, so, so dark energy could, I mean, it could be anything, but dark energy could really be, we just, I mean, where dark matter does seem to have a physical thing, dark energy could just be, a, a, we need to really refine our gravitational equations and un, our understanding of gravity. Would that, would that be fair? Yeah, and I, I think it's more we need to better understand what the heck a vacuum is. What, what is space-time as a, an entity in its own right? So, <laughs> and that's, Forget about what the universe is full <laughs> of, and let's just think about what, what is this sort of fabric that the universe is made of. <laughs> you'd, think, you'd think having a box of nothing would be the easiest thing to describe. <laughs> it's a box of nothing. We've worked that out. But now you're going... Actually, no, some, nothing is something, and it's a very important something that we need to know very, very well. Who put this dead cat in here? <laughs> so does, yeah. it ever, does it ever keep you up at night, Steve? Do you ever lie there just going, I'm, I, I really shouldn't be thinking about this, but I'm, I'm going to think, <laughs> no, stop it, don't think about it! Well, no, I, I'm more in the camp, but I realise we just don't know bleep, and we've <laughs> just got to get more data, really. I mean, this we're at a point where... Theory isn't really helping anymore. We just need to get more 
information about how things work out there rather than right. continuing to try and build theories on a, on a very small data set that we have now. We, we, are, at, we are really at the edge of the unknown here. It's, 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 we're standing on a shore, the whole dark energy shore, where we're thinking to ourselves, we don't know where we're going, we don't know what's there, we don't know how to get there, nor what it is. Welcome to the world of dark energy. Steve Nerlich, yep. I feel stupider from having talked to you for an hour, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I hope I have the same effect on everyone. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Great to talk to you guys. I feel so much cleverer. I love the fact that we know a lot about this stuff, but we haven't learned it all yet. And then there's some pretty... It's got that feeling, like dark energy. What, humans or just me? <laughs> humans in general okay cool humans in general we're looking at something going what the hell is that it's like being in the dark you know the whole idea of being in the dark and grabbing an elephant and there's an elephant in the room and, and you go what the and you grab its trunk and you go there's a python here and someone goes no 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 it, it's a snake they grab the tail and goes, no, it's a tree trunk they grab the leg and you go wait we can't all be right here and we know there's something there and we just don't know what the hell it is yet it's a giant leech don't touch that <laughs> don't touch that bit and I think it's it's going to be quite soon. I, I have a feeling that like with the James Webb Space Telescope and all these other really amazing instruments that are going up there and science that's being done, we're, we're going to find some space elephants. We're going to find some space elephants. That's right. <laughs> that's what you heard here first on Smart Us to Know Better. Space elephants for all. So thanks to Steve Nerlich for pointing out the large cosmic pachyderms in our universal backyard. This is the worst Bucks night ever. What are you talking about? You said you wanted exotic dancers. Yes! And what the hell is this? Let me tell you, my friend, the hula is from the Central Pacific. But they're not just And the next, we have some Maasai warriors coming in to do that sweet jumping dance they do. You are the worst best man ever. Worst best? Mathematically, that makes me dead average! Walk of shame! Oh, it's here again. Every episode, we figure out what mistakes we've made in previous episodes, and we right the wrongs. Well, how we do it, and, all, and right now, all our listeners are pulling out their knives that they've been honing, honing the whole time, ready to plunge into the backs of our brains to make, tell us to get it right. All the pedants going, Argh! Stunning. And thank you very much for emailing and telling us about this stuff. I need to thank you, actually, oh, for a previous no problem. thing, because I made a mistake. I made a mistake, and mm. it, I, I totally embarrassed myself, mm. because last episode we were talking about uh, the Advanced Australia Fair, and I was like, oh, but when oh, I was no. in grade one, mm. uh, it, was, it was God Save the Queen. I know, don't even try. No, 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 don't it even was try. stupid of me. No, 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 you no. made me feel, you pointed out my error, and I felt really, no, no, no. really no, dumb. No, 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 no. See, Dan tries to make all this sound like I was pointing out. What I said was I wasn't too sure. It, it was God Save the Queen, wasn't it? No. No? You're not that old, Dan. 1980. No, we were Two? definitely had. That's, it's 1982. That doesn't make any sense. That's just mad. 
what I said was I wasn't too sure, and I was incorrect. I know. I had many people. I looked it up. I was quite surprised because I sort of said, "That's a bit weird. You, you would have been too old. It was changed much earlier than that." But it wasn't. It no. Actually, the NASA, it was nineteen eighty-four. But the that was, exact year I said it was. But but that wasn't what the point about there wasn't. It still doesn't make sense because the ninety-four would have finally flicked over permanently. But before that, that you could do both. When you looked into it, they were actually it wasn't. It was only officially made our national anthem. In, in 1984. Vans Australia Fair was But it was written sung, like 100 years ago or something. Yes, yeah, so the original song has like five verses. But the song was sung much earlier than that, than 1984. Oh, yes, it was sung. In schools, sure. as, the, as the national anthem. They were both... In, they were both but the, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the national anthem. It, they were both... Not the, until 1984. It was the... If you look into Score it, one for the dead! No, 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 no. Look into it again. Go check the DFAT website. What it says on the DFAT website, which is the government website, was they ran concurrently, side by side, for quite a few years. Because people don't get weirded out when you have like two currencies. They can't have one or the other. This is, I was trying to work out, I was going, well, why did I remember it very, very differently? Because the school I oh, went right. to... Did, didn't sing God Save the Queen. I have no memory of ever singing God Save the Queen. We're very close in age. It didn't make any sense. Uh, when I realised it was 84. And you're, you're, you're slightly older than I'm me. slightly older, but it, it didn't make any sense. I sat there going, this doesn't Why don't I remember this? They didn't. I looked back on it. You must it. have gone to a lefty school who were like, ah, future, future, future. Maybe. And I was in the, I was in the ones who were like, <laughs> stay back. Which is odd, because mine was, a, mine was a, a country town. Like You'd think that would yeah. be the God Save the Queen one. But it's, no, look, I agree. It was right. It, and it freaked me out. And what really freaks me about the 1984 thing, and, and that's when we changed over. That's not that long ago. Nah. That's really not that long ago. 17 years. Uh, no, no, sorry, 27 years. It's really quite impressive, because you yeah. go, and now there are people going, we want to be a republic, and you go, we only just got rid of the national anthem being God Save the Queen. What chance do we have in one generation of becoming a republic? Mm. I, it's, 1984 was, coincidentally, the same year that uh, kids moved over from chalkboards to, uh, to writing pads. To writing pads? What do you mean? Just oh. to paper and pens. Before that, it was all chalkboards. So year one and two at my school, it was just all chalkboards. Oh, God. Uh, really? Actually, year one, we were taught how to hunt bison. Mm, that's true. Yes, yes. That's so. I, I got to pick yams. Being a vegetarian, I had to go pick yams with right. the girls. I said, they went, yeah, Greg, you're a vegetarian. Yam picking for you. <laughs> Thanks to the many, many, many people who emailed, rang, sent smoke signals. Was it many people? There was, was it? I got the, yeah, we got that pretty much the moment that we, we sent that out seconds later. Right. Like, like the length of the podcast, boom, and I got emails back. But it was one of those weird ones. I was reading my mistake as, as the people were sending it into right. me. Right. I, I discovered it. I was like, oh my God. And then you discovered it, and everyone discovered it. Yeah. But it's still, it's amazing. 84. It really is quite, it's quite weird. Uh, we also mentioned, and everyone on the whole planet mentioned, that we clicked over to 7 billion people. Yes. And, and that's just not... Is, is it a walk of shame? It's one of those little weirdness of statistics. We're doing some further research into it, we cannot actually know whether that date... It's the date, obviously. Yeah. That's a very rough guide. Yeah. But, and, and I accepted that when, I, when we told the story. Yeah. That wasn't a big deal. I wouldn't walk of shame that. But the more we look into it, it's, it's really out. As in, the, the research seems to state that it could be sometime up to March or even April next year. Yeah, it's basically a year wiggle room. Yeah, yeah, but that's not... You, it's, but you can't sort of say, oh, well, in my mind, well, that's, that's a walk of shame worthy to go... Well, in November, oh no, sorry, October of 2011 is when it happened. You're like, well, no, because it could be October to June of the next year. What you can really say is in 2011, 2012, we hit 7 billion people. Yeah. For, for the pedantry inside me, I just went, I can't sit back and go this date or this month or even this year. I can just say this rough time yeah. period. Uh, but, but the thing is, they, the, um, the World Organization 
came out with a press release saying this is the date mm, because mm. they know that there's a huge amount of wiggle room. But if you give a single date, then that gets everyone talking about it and thinking about it. And that's important because global population and the size that it's growing is a really important thing. It was actually wrong, though. It's not, it wasn't just them picking a date. That's, the statistics are wrong. That's the interesting point as well. We know that a large number of girls are missing from the census because when you count the number of girls in school, you find them there are more than were born six years ago. So these things like in China and these sort of places, oh, especially yeah. in China, these, these people disappear off the census because uh, they don't want to be mm. registered as, as being alive because it can make problems. It's, All yeah, these people terrible. who are off the grid. Yes, and, that's, that's, and they're saying we, we just can't know. These, the, the error bars are so yeah. huge for 7 billion people, it, you can't really pull it out. It was a nice date. It made you think about it, but really mathematically, blah. it could be this year plus or minus a year, your error is ridiculously high. Yeah. You, you, when your error bar is as big as your statistic, you forget it. You can't <laughs> say, I'm going to give you 100 lollies plus or minus 100 lollies and expect that to be considered accurate because I could give you zero to 200. Yeah, but in this case, they, they're saying it's the 7 million. Mm, 7 billion. 7 billion. Mm. But the error-wise, error the error could uh, may only be 400,000 people. They uh, might have been 400,000 people off. Uh, for instance, well, in, or... in, in the space of a year... Yeah, uh, space of a year. Um, okay. Oh, hang on, it'd be more than that. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, billions. Yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be millions, it'd be many, many, many millions. Sorry, millions. dozens of millions. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say it'd be, it'd be millions. Not yeah. Don't yeah. It's not going to be too small or too large. Uh, yeah, it'd be millions of people either side. Yes, yeah, that's right. So we we could have crossed it earlier, or we could, but more likely it'll be next year. If, so March next year, when we're up to what podcast twenty one, probably twenty two, we might come back and revisit and go. This is the real time. <laughs> but we fun. won't know. No, we won't know. It could have been six months ago. It could have been six months ago. And no, and everyone missed it. Shame. Shame, planet. Shame. Now, one other thing is I said that the world was running out of potassium. Holy crap! And I don't know whether that's true or not. It probably is. Everything else is running out. Yep. But we were talking about farming. And yep. what, I was, what I meant to say is we're running out of phosphates. Ah, uh, phosphates. Phosphates yeah, 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 is right, what okay. we're running out of. Sure. And... I was trying to figure out where I remembered learning that, mm. and then I realized it was our own podcast. <laughs> so I go back to episode three, and you will actually hear Girl Clumsy run in to butt in and tell us that we're running out of phosphates. <laughs> and right so now. we've got to get that gene, that genetically engineered yes. plants working because we're about to run out of phosphates, and then er or everyone's going to starve to death. Well, no, a lot of people will starve to death. But if you're living, once again, if you listen to this podcast in any place that has a, the ability to listen to podcasts, you're going to be okay. You can't eat iPods, but Greg. Can, but you can eat food. You can't eat iPods. But you can eat food. It'll just be expensive food. This is the, the horror of the situation for me is people in the first world, yes, it will trouble us. We but, won't be able to buy iPods. We won't be able to buy iPods. But we, we will probably survive. But you, you, when you lose the billions of people who will die, who could die, I don't want to be alarmist about it, could die, then it won't be the top 50%. You know what I mean? It'll be the bottom 50%. Of those 7 billion people, you're going to lose 2 billion off the bottom, like the poorest people on the planet. Who's going to sew my shoes? <laughs> Actually, I think they're the middle, the middle couple of billions, if you think Ooh. about it. They're the ones who are earning money. I'm yeah. talking about the people who are going after, like, rake in wheat or something like that. Yes, so so phosphates, get onto it, kids. Get onto genetically modifying food. Frankenfoods. It's alive. <laughs> I hope so. I don't <laughs> eat dead things. Bigs or smalls? Bigs. I'm totally going to beat you. <laughs> oh, really? How about we make it more interesting then? What did you have in mind? Ah! <laughs>
remember in the last podcast, 17.0, there yep. was a foolish school that decided to create a new national anthem much later than 1984 yes. uh, for, for Australia. Yep. And they put in a religious verse about how we should all follow Jesus and sell us all to him and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I was suitably outraged. Yes. And, and so I created at that very moment a competition Yes. To create the new second verse. And Dan, I want you to sit down because this is going to be quite, or at least brace yourself for a moment. Brace. You bra- oh, good. You braced. Very, very good. He's, he's gripping. He's gripping the microphone. We've got entries. <gasps> Plural. Plural. Not just two. And that's, that's the rule. That's the smart enough to know better rule is that two entries is the competition. We've got quite a few entries. People have been, people from outside the country, people from inside the country have started to give us entries to this competition. I can't believe that. It's true. Do you want me to read or sing one out to you or read one out to you? Yes. Okay. I want to read this one out because this one comes from a, an American. He goes by the name of Dan in Japan. He's not our Dan. He's just a different Dan. There are multiple Dans in the world. This one comes from a foreigner. An American by the name of Dan in Japan, and he's in Japan, and his name's Dan. So that's a good name for a few name from otherwise, it'd be very confusing. Yes. And I love. I want to read this one out. I actually want to sing this one out because this is uh, this is from a, a non-Australian who yep. doesn't live in Australia. No. Who knows about Australia? It seems from this podcast and maybe from Crocodile Dundee movies. <laughs> uh, so this this is what made me think this is awesome, awesome as hell. This, 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 is, this is probably like me writing about uh, the American National Anthem of we fired our guns in the air and we ate McDonald's. It's that kind of Or thing. talking about Canadians at all. <laughs> I know Canadians. I've run over quite a few Canadians in my car over the years. I'm still, oh, dear. I'm still amusing myself with Canadians. Uh, he's actually made two. Verse number two of the Australian National Anthem from Dan in Japan. In a land so distant and remote Where wallabies roam the lands We regard this commonwealth of yours With a fosters in our hands For those of us who love Aussies We've lots of beer to share <laughs> With friendship let us all combine And in inebriate in, I can't even pass the line Inebriation, inebriation share in, <laughs> in drunken strains then let us sing Advance Australia Affair. The, the scanning in that was just outrageous. <laughs> I, I just got it wrong. But look, I loved it because it's what someone thinks of Australia. Foster's yeah, that's, a, that's a corker of a verse, that is. Struth. <laughs> look, thank you, Dan, in Japan for that one. Uh, it's not going to win. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. And can I just point out to all of our international listeners, your idea of Australian beer is Foster's. Foster's is the beer that we export. We don't even own it anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's British. In, in order to get Foster's beer, you have to go to a special boutique yes. that spe- specifically gets in Foster's because no one in Australia drinks it. <laughs> That's, but we never have. Not for a very long Never long. happens. Not for a very long it's time. It's laughable. Yes. It's, it's, not, it's not an Australian beer yeah. anymore. It's Bogans or Chavs. Or Chavs, If you're yes. in yes. Uh, the UK or uh, Rednecks, I guess. It's, yeah, Rednecks. If you're in the States. Mm-hmm. Or Ned's, if you're in, in Scotland. Yep. Mm. Uh, they drink Forex mm-hmm. or VB. Yeah. But never both of them. Forex <laughs> is the Queensland beer. VB, Victoria Bitter, is the Victorian beer, strangely enough. Mm. The southern but, states. But, they, but it doesn't matter which state you, you're in because the side that you find yourself on 
is not necessarily geographically decided. Oh, that's true. That's true. Very important. Very. Thank you, Dan. For yeah. yes, very good. It's like it's like Ford and Toyota. <laughs> yes. Is that right? Ford and Holden. Ford and Ford and Holden. Ford yes. and Holden. Yes. It's the yeah. it's the Ford and Holden argument. Yes. Are you a Ford man? Which is the point. My father had not bought nothing but Ford Falcons. That's what I remember from my childhood. And other people had Commodores, Holden Commodores. Yeah. That was the big. Was, ooh, Falcon versus Commodore. Ooh, they look very similar to me. They're cars. Anyway. Yep. No wings. No wings. I know. Yeah. No hair, No blades. No caltrops coming out the back of them. So keep sending in your entries. We need the second verse of the Australian national anthem, and we're going to go through these quite soon. We're going to by the end of the year, I think. Think that's probably a good way. We're going to, this competition will be a 2011 only, so you've probably got another couple of weeks to get your entries in. Yep. If you're thinking about doing it, get them in now, especially all our new listeners who have been dropped in from other places and other climbs. Get in, and, and you're probably wondering, why would I do this? Why would I do this? Dan, tell them. Because you like us, and you think you're clever and funny, and you want to help us out. Mention the mercenary stuff. Mention the mercenary stuff. Greg is going to send you 120 bucks of his own money. No, 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 no. Something better than money. Something much better than money. Greg is going to send you his iPad. What? He loves his iPad, but he's going to send it to you. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Something much more important than the iPad. I've got some old shirts under my house. (laughs) Mostly Lily Street ones. And some Hootie and the Alien ones. Right. Also, some CryptoZoo shirts. Thank goodness for that. Smart enough to better CryptoZoo. Very exciting. And, while putting Dan on the spot, we'll also send you a Smart Enough to Know Better badge. Yes, a Smart Enough to Know Better badge. You, what does it look like? Well, you'll have to get in the competition to find out. Yes, you'll pin it to your front and tell the world that you are smart enough to know better. <laughs> It's with great pleasure I introduce our next guest. From the Bureau of Meteorology, here's professional meteorologist Frank Nino. Thanks, Dave. Meteorology is a fascinating discipline that allows many, many exciting predictions. With accurate knowledge of the atmospheres, many indistinct layers, such as the troposphere and the stratosphere, and my favourite, the exosphere, a meteorologist can have a true understanding of the important gaseous layer that surrounds our planet. When linked to historical records of weather events that have been precisely observed and recorded in the past, the meteorologists can create predictions about upcoming atmospheric anomalies. Layman call these weather forecasts, Frank, Frank. and the accuracy of such forecasts Frank. drops off quite precipitously as the time from the observed event increases. Frank! And th- this isn't what I wanted to talk to you about. Oh? I wanted to talk to you about meteorology. About the dwarf planet Ceres and the asteroid belt. Or, or about the space probe around Vesta. Or, or, or how a giant meteor wiped out the dinosaurs. And how the asteroid Apophis could crash into the Earth in 2036, causing planet-wide calamity. Oh, uh-huh. well, I think your understanding of the word meteorology is muddled. A meteor is an astronomical body. Meteorology is a fascinating discipline that allows many, many exciting predictions. Yes, 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 with yes, yes, yes. fine, whatever. Um, well, uh, this segment is not a total bust. Uh, I have on the line Parson Avery, who will be telling us about the seductive and salacious world of chicken sexing. Oh, you just determined the gender of... Baby chickens. How disappointing. 
So I went to church the other day. Son of a... I had to. Oh, okay. It was a wedding. Oh. One of them things. It was a nice day to start again? Uh, no. Oh. No. No. It was terrible day. This was over in France. You were in so... France recently? Oh, well, a couple of months ago now. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> but yeah, so I, I was sitting in, in the pew. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at one point, the people getting married there have paid to go to, to be married in the church. They've mm. paid all the fees and stuff. Mm. So after the thing, then... People went around with the little baskets, yes, little donation baskets, mm. which I I don't think I've ever seen at a wedding before. I, I haven't been to many weddings in a church, so I can't actually. It, it feels a bit like double dipping to me. Ah, I see. But anyway, so the, you know <laughs> these these little baskets are getting passed around. Yes, uh, and I went, all right, well, fair enough. And obviously, some people like giving their money to the church, <laughs> but also and, not uh, just to the church. You've got to be going to worthy causes. It's not necessarily to the church. It could be going to the parish orphans or something. You don't know where it's going. Not necessarily go to adding more gold to the roof of the Vatican or something weird. Like, you don't, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, but it's in their coffers to do with what they wish. Maybe. You don't know that. Some people, they go specifically, all this money will go to this. All the money will go to that. I don't know. Do don't you speak French? I don't think that's how it works. Oh, but, well, well, you know, I, I, knows? Think, I think we can. It does some point. At any rate, the basket came by and I, I looked around. This church is... 60 feet high, mm. ornate, worth millions, mm. millions. Mm. And I was like, balls if I'm going to be donating any money to a, to this church. I see. Balls to that. Yes. Because I don't get anything out of it. You're a visitor from Australia. Well, not only that, but mm. the church is infinitely more wealthy than I am. Right. Why am I donating my money to them? Right, yes. Except it might be going to some sort of... It's not. It's going into his Mercedes Benz. Is that sort of stuff. Can you prove that? It's got, it, but he's in charge. That he, now he's got more money to do with what he wants. Mm. And once he's who's, once who's he, starts, he who's he by the way? The, Jesus, no, the, <laughs> the 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 priest and the, the people right. who look yeah. after the church. I see. And they keep the church nice. They're yeah. great big giant f off building. Yeah. And they drive around in their Mercedes Benzes. Right. Okay. And they paint their fences. And they and once <laughs> they've done all that, right. then they're like, oh well, now we can help out our friends. In the in the organisation and such. I see. So it's it's not a selfless thing. Isn't it? Oh, okay. No. I'm just all right. That's how they get their money to subsist. They, and they pay their electricity and they pay all that sort of junk through the money they get through the donations. each, yep. each congregation. Yeah. They're not they're not just every week going. Oh, this one for leukemia. This is the church. This, is, they, this is the church money. This is how the church gets paid. Doesn't the church the church gets paid? Which church are we talking about here? We'll start off with. But also, if you're a Catholic church, then you can pay from the by the Vatican and things like that. They pay. They pay. It get, you know. Oh, they, all the money just keeps shifting around. It's, 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 At any rate, I'm intrigued with how this fits into the purview of this podcast. I must admit. But anyway, I'm sure some. Some science is going to come barreling through the door and excite us all at this point. Well, it's not all about science. Oh, I see. Now, Comedy and ignorance? Now, so the kids walk by, walk by yes. and stuff, and I'm like, I'm not putting money in. Right. Did you and punch out one of the children while you're doing it? No, Did but you, you should. Did you trip that kid? The f***ing look this kid gave me. <laughs> I see. And then someone who spoke French sort of jumped in and went, oh, he always does know what he's doing, and put money in for me. Uh, now, admittedly, I didn't have any money on me at the time, but still, I'm I'm sitting there being judged for not giving money to this institution that is the richest institution in the world. Right. It, it, it was a Catholic church then? Probably. I, <laughs> I, I don't speak French. It was big and it was ridiculous. And there were it's, it's a good stained chance, glass windows. It's a good chance it wasn't an Anglican church. I'm, I'm going to take a bet on that one. 
It wasn't Valhalla. No, but it wasn't. Mean, a... it wasn't well, that's C of E. Sorry, Church. I'm making a joke. Yeah. Church of England, because it's in France. Ah, oh, okay. So it's Anglican, High no. Anglican. It wouldn't be a no. But it could be a Protestant. Church. It could be Protestant. Yeah, but it's, it's, wow. I'm not doing well with the jokes uh, today, am I? <laughs> so and I and I was thinking, I was going, oh well, you know, if you go to a church, you want to support your church. And yes. You get stuff out of it and the, the, you want the priest to get paid. I see. So, so, but, what, uh, so what this breaks down to is you were annoyed that a child gave you a dirty look. Yes. <laughs> but that's, this is just the intro. Oh, right. Because I, I found something a bit interesting. Because uh, th- this was my attitude right. about the whole thing. Yeah. So your back was I, well and truly up at this point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hackles yeah. were raised. Yes. You're making yourself bigger and puffier. I swatted a kid. Right. Um... <laughs> But then I discovered that giving money to the church, mm. there's a, it's an actual proper thing called tithing. One-tenth, yes. Yes. And it's in the Bible. Mm. In Deuteronomy, it says that the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Tithing is a spiritual habit of giving back to God the first 10% of all you make, mm. which doesn't make any sense because if you give them the first 10%, when you make it, you don't know how much you're going to make. <laughs> You've got to wait till you make it all, oh, and then, and then give, give. But you still give the first. Then you give them the, that what are you saying is give it to him first? Okay. Yes. You can't. You can't be sneaky and pay all your taxes, and then go. Oh, I'm sorry, God. There's only uh, you might you might make ten shekels a week. Well, it's pretty and easy. Then, you just you, pay ninety percent to everything else, and then whatever's left over is the ten percent. Yeah, but people, but people aren't it's just as, bad maths. People aren't, aren't nice like you. What they might do is say, I own ten shekels. But I have to buy my food for two shekels, and I have to pay my taxes to the government for three shekels. So I only technically earn five shekels. So therefore, I'll give God half a shekel because my ten percent. And God goes, no, 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 no. You actually paying ten percent off your gross wage, not your net wage. Oh, right. He wants it from the gross, not the net. Right. Gotcha. God's an economist. And and I thought this was mostly just basically this benefited the church. Mm. But I found it quite interesting because it, I found this thing on the web and it says, why do that? You know, and to the, which the answer is, because God says so, and mm. that's reason enough. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, yeah. So enough. I'm not sure whether I agree with that. <laughs> uh, if you don't do it, you're disobeying God. Mm. Well, uh, but mm. there's another reason. Mm. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Matthew 6, 21. The reason I tithe is to draw me closer to God. The Bible says wherever you put your money, that's where your heart is. If I put my money in a boat, then that's where my affection goes. Wherever I put my money, that's what becomes important to me. If I put God first when it comes to my money, it says, God, you're first in my life. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. If I say, God, I want you to be number one in my life, but he's last place in my budget, that's a contradiction. Sure. So obviously that is quite helpful mm. to the church. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, there is, it is actually coming from a place that may not be quite as cynical as I've made it out to be. <laughs> uh, it then ended the article by saying, learn more about a biblical approach to your budget. Your finances are important to God. Saddleback Resources offers managing your finances God's way. A seven-week video-based study. <laughs> Start a kid only, $32. Was, oh, hey, f*** you! It wasn't free? <laughs> Time for a song. Ooh, a song. One of my favourite artists ever. In fact, the artist who inspired me to pick up the guitar in the first place and start learning to do my own songs. Freddie Mercury. No. Oh. Jonathan Colton. Uh, it's almost Freddie Mercury. Nerd Troublador. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And then you kind of put me on to him. Yeah. I was, I'm, I'm not as enamoured as you are. No. I, I, in fact, I'm not enamoured. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm not against him. I just I, I just don't like trick songs. I just think he does trick songs. Mm. Oh, God. And the thing is... And suddenly, everyone just, our entire audience just stopped listening yeah. for that very reason. Dan yeah. loves him, so you should love Dan. Uh, and I don't like novelty songs that much either. Mm. Like I like a novelty song, like a Weird Al Yankovic. 
I like to listen and go, oh, that's really funny, yeah, but yeah. I'm not going to listen to it again. Yes. That's, in my mind, that's Jonathan Colton. Yes. That's, that's, that's how I look Whereas at it. in my mind, I'm getting a lot more out of it mm. somehow. But musically, musically yeah, I, I assume so too. Uh, but then I discovered, I don't know how I missed all this, but I discovered he was the guy who did Still Alive from Portal 1. Yeah. And I went, oh, I really like that. But that's because I had a good emotional experience with Portal 1. Yeah. And that's how I win music. So the music makers of the world, if you want my hard-earned dollars, you've got to get me emotionally invested in your music. Yep. Good luck. And there are three soundtracks from a Portal 2, like just instrumental stuff, all the music from Portal 2 that you can oh, okay. download for free off the internet. Sure, right. And I love them. All done by him? No, no, oh, just right. by a different music group. But oh, all, okay. the, all the music and all the background clinking and yeah. weird stuff from the game is in there, and I love it. And it's probably for the same reason, that I'm having these wonderful little flashbacks of being in that world mm, and mm. firing portal guns. That's right. And working together... Dan and I are partners in science. Yes. In Portal 2. Because I do kind of look like Atlas, and Dan does kind of look like Peabody. Yeah. It's one of those weird things when the game came out, way before it came out, I'm looking at it going, oh, that's hilarious. And we sort of went, oh, well, we have to play together because, well, that's you and that's me. Yeah. And at one time, I think it's the person who starts the mission. Is Atlas. Is Atlas. So I always started. And then one time, I, you started. Yeah. And I was Peabody and you were Atlas. And it felt wrong. We lasted about four minutes. Yeah, and we had and stopped then, off. And, and, and went back and did it again. How do we make this work? It's kind of like going... Uh, Okay, I'm going to go get my mother's clothes now. And you go, oh, I'm in my mother's clothes. I'm vaguely uncomfortable with this whole situation at this point. Not the fact that women's clothes, is, it's your mother's clothes. Yeah. It's that kind of, you have to get them off pretty yeah. fast. So basically we were wearing each other's bodies. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. No. It's like you can, when you go to the bathroom, you can hold your own penis and, and go to the bathroom, but you don't want to hold someone else's penis. Even though, even though the person next to you in the urinal is very, very close anyway, and it would only be a distance of six inches to be holding your penis. Mm. He'd have to move his hand six inches, and it's a distance of six inches. Even less for me. Hey. <laughs> okay. Now, getting back to reality, what's the song we're going to be listening to? We are going to be listening to a song off his brand new album, Ooh. Artificial Heart. It is called The World Belongs to You. Out of the clear blue cloudless skies A bolt of lightning came Were you at least a bit surprised When angels spoke your name They said it's you Who puts the gravity in the ground They said it's you Who all the stars revolve around Scientists were wrong, you suspected all along it might be true. The world belongs to you. No one escapes the things they've done, a fate that fits the crime. You've got a plan for everyone. Where do you find the time? Because it's you dancing the planets on a string And it's you who's got to handle everything There'll be hell to pay unless we all behave the way you want us to The world belongs to you From inside these limousines The world is looking darker every day And you wonder if that means when you close your eyes, it goes away, it goes away. Tie up your loose ends one by one, your time is almost through. Even your angels think 
Interesting one. I don't know what that one was trying to say. It's a, it's a, got a couple of parallels going on there, doesn't it? Yeah, because it, it's 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 obviously talking about religion. Yeah, to some extent. From the point of singing to God, it sounds like to me. Just from my point of view, singing to God, saying, "Were you surprised?" And all this stuff happened. Mm. But there's a sense about of elitism in there that that even the, the, whoever this God is, mm. their their power has corrupted them, and they they don't listen to anyone, and they're. Yes, yes. They're, they're headstrong and, 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 and it all falls apart for them. But, but at the end, the, the, the bit about the type, your loose ends one by one, your time is almost through, even your angels think you're done, they roll their eyes at you, because it's you who's getting bigger every day and it's you who's going to drive them all away. And as, they, and as they turn to go, you can forgive them for they don't know what they do. The world belongs to you. To the last verse. That's really interesting. That's not a negative thing. That's saying, yeah, you've driven them away, but at the end of the day, you're God and you're going to forgive them for doing it. It's, it's, it's an odd... Like if they leave you because you push them away, that's okay. You're God. You're bigger than that. It's it's an odd. It's like a, oh, I'm really I, I, I I think part of it is it's kind of talking about superstardom, and if someone gets really really big and really really obnoxious, then mm. the people who even the even the yes men that hang around them go, no, he's totally lost it. Yes. Yeah. But because you're because they're so in their head and they they're so big, mm. they're so amazing. They don't need anyone else because they're stuck in their own. I think it's about Charlie Sheen. <laughs> That's what you've decided? Yep. It's not about God at all? Nope. It's about Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Right. You're well, not, I'm not saying it's not about God. Right. I'm saying it is about Charlie Sheen. Hang on a minute. He may be... You mean that a song can have two meanings at the same time? What I'm saying is that Charlie Sheen may be the personification of Jehovah. <laughs> and he is winning. And we can all be winning too. And ladies and gentlemen, you could be winning just by... Subscribing to and rating Smart Enough to Know Better, the podcast on iTunes. I'm Dan at smartenough.org. And I'm Greg at smartenough.org. Feel free to email us and tell us how clever we are <laughs> and how much you love us. Ah, uh, otherwise don't. If you've <gasps> happened... But also you can Twitter as well. We're on Twitter. We're at Twitter matter. You're at SE2KB, as in SE, the number two, KB. Yes, join us on Twitter, my friends. Oh, yes. Or go to the website and click the Twitter button. Oh, that's magic. Or the subscribe button, so you can listen to us every single fortnight. Woohoo! Or go into our forums. And tell us how wrong we are. Oh, I don't think we're wrong this time. <laughs> I think we hit the nail right on the head, my friend. <laughs> I hope you have enjoyed the podcast, episode 18, ladies and gentlemen. Come back, as Dan said, in two weeks' time, and we'll see more science, comedy, and ignorance! It's just a little bit rainy, a bit low okay. quality. <laughs> that might just be me. It might just be you. <laughs> no sense. I forget what I'm saying. We go on tangents. We go on ridiculous Beautiful tangents. tangents. No, really? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 18 of Smart Enough to... Hummina, hummina, hummina. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 18 of Smart Enough to Know Better. You know which intro I'm going to use, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, somebody... Hey, stop. Po- stop. 
you say so every time. You said so every day. Today, you've said started every segment with so. Just so you know, I know just so you're aware of it. So? Oh, oh that's cool. I'm just happy with it. I just, I just want you to be aware of it. When you get anything, oh my God, I'm saying so all the time. I just so? Say, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on a totally different thought process, Mr. Ro... Oh, shit. <laughs> ba, ba, ba. <laughs> Suddenly, the mask was revealed. So... <laughs>